Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Action Comics number 342, cover date October 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artists Kurt Swan and George Klein, edited by Mort Weisinger, featuring The Superhuman Bomb, written by James Shooter, art by Wayne Boring. And The Day Supergirl Became an Amazon, written by Otto Binder, art by Jim Mooney. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we will go. an alien with 20th level intellect attacks Brainiac and steals his force field projector. Grax then travels to Earth and places a bomb on Superman's belt. Superman can't remove or disarm the bomb, which will destroy the Earth in 24 hours. Meanwhile, Linda Danvers and two of her college chums are sent on a trip to the South Pacific to collect specimens for the school aquarium. Their boat lands on an uncharted island populated by Amazons, who put them to work as slave girls. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. If you're walking in the shadows, then it's time that you get wise. I just forget about your troubles and open up your eyes. When you wear a smile, the world will shout. Hooray! You gotta turn on the sunshine, you're gonna push the blues away. Yawn. <laughs> what? Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm very tired. Oh, me too. After the crisis of infinite house pets or whatever the hell was going on last oh, night. Is like it a, a full moon or something? Dark circus. What, what do they call that circus? The, the night circus? The night circus? Or Jeez. The circus of the imbeciles? It was the worst last night, right? So we've got three animals, listener. A big hound dog. A big hound dog. A beagle. Captain Butler. A beagle June, June bug. bug. And a cat. Mr. Willoughby. Mr. Willoughby. Well, first thing is, the first thing is, I had a performance. And so <laughs> I had to go and be my best self. Yes. Singing. You did a beautiful job. Except for vanity took over and I went out you on stage. You pulled a real boner. <laughs> I went on stage without my glasses to sing a song that I probably have memorized. Right. But it's traditionally performed with books. So right. I did it as tradition demands. You came out on the stage without your glasses and I was sitting in the back of the house and I was watching and I was like, oh no, he doesn't have his glasses on. Okay. Because I would never sing it memorized. Well, as you can imagine, I messed something up, and but I covered flawlessly. It was hardly even noticeable. Uh, except to anyone in the audience who knew the who song, the which stuff. is everyone, because it's from the Messiah. Anyway. Then we come home, mm-hmm. try to relax a little bit before going to bed, because I've got to get up at zero dark 30 and go serve the Lord mm-hmm. every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Well, here comes Junebug doing the backward snort thing that all beagles do. But oh. <laughs> she did it for a good 45 minutes, which upset Dr. Husband, so he leaped out of bed. and I was so worried. Yes. What was it, like 3 o'clock in the morning or something that she did that? It was some... No, it was like immediate, like 11. It was like... <laughs> you know that thing yeah. you do? <coughs> that hurt doing that. Then Cat uh, and Butler and I have a secret language uh, that happens at least thrice per night. 
he will go only to your side of the bed. Only my side of the bed because he wants to get under the covers. Yeah. And he's cannot figure out how to just come up to the top of the bed and get under the covers. He so. will if you're in bed by yourself. Well, I'm not in bed by myself, am I? No. So I'm so popular. No, I mean, like, sometimes when you're gone, he will come to the top of the bed and I'll just lift up the covers right. and I'll go under the covers. But if it's both of us, nope. Nope. He will come onto the bed, aggressively tap me on the leg <laughs> with his leg, his paw, I it's should true. say. He goes, pat, pat, pat. And if I don't move, he taps harder. Yes, true. So I have to get out of the bed, lift up the covers on the side so that he can creep around on the side and get under the covers. Right. And then I have to push, get under the covers myself and push him so that I would have leg, room for my legs <laughs> to get back into bed. This is already on top of being a mid-gentleman of a certain age, so I have to get up about 7,500 times a night already to empty my bladder. Right. So the cat, okay, so this is so first the June ball's doing June bug, sorry, not June ball. June bug's doing her gagging thing, right? Yeah. Her, 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 her reflex thing. Yeah. Then Butler wakes you up. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? I yell out, what is going on? Because it's like the night circus. And right. then Willoughby decides to do his part in the night circus. Well, first of all, I guess he's decided he's going to sleep with us now, too. Well, he was with me for a while on my, like, right, right under my, right. my left arm, just like right there. Was snuggled, it? Because... And then he bit me. Yeah, his idea of sleeping is to walk around the bed, the perimeter of the bed with his claws popped, <laughs> and then go into the bathroom, knock the dental floss off onto the floor, and he goes into the bathroom. I went into the other bathroom this morning because I shaved in the guest bathroom. Yep, and I found my razor on the floor. Mm -hmm. he, he knocked it down during the night. Yep, he just walks around the house, and whatever small objects we have sitting on any surfaces, he yep. just does what bats do and knocks them down. Yep, yeah, uh, we love him though. Well, we didn't get much sleep last no. night. No. And I had a... You went to work. I went to work. I had to write reports at work today. My uh, gosh. Oh, my we don't get a weekend at all. No. This week... Oh, but this is the last yes. full weekend like that. You know what else? It sucks. What? Earth is doomed. Totally doomed. As and the man, encapsulated by a force shield. Yes. And Superman's trapped. And he's got a bomb strapped to his... He's becoming voice. the superhuman bomb. And there's a very suggestively shaped spaceship heading toward earth shooting oh, that never even occurred to me shooting white goo out of its nose cone that's the first thing i saw on this oh. cover okay i didn't come on yeah nope. uh so superman's got a super bomb strapped to his belt and he's trapped within a force field on earth in 24 hours the bomb will go off killing three billion people, people. how quaint to think the population of earth is three, three billion. billion that's right. like the population of Mumbai today. I don't think that's true, but uh, it is true that India just surpassed China as largest population on the earth. True, I yes. do know that. Not completely useless. So Earth is doomed. Yes, Action Comics number three forty-two, and Earth is doomed. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. That's Superman, champion of law and order. But look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the, the Man, Man of Steel. Steel? No. Nope. This time it's certain destruction for three billion people. Yes, Superman, always Earth's protector, has now been converted into its deadliest menace, the superhuman bomb. Uh, in the far reaches of space, we open our story. A strange craft flies, Brainiac's newest interstellar saucer. He's looking for a way to destroy Superman. Interesting. Then he has a special room. He's um, he's inside his starship. Mm -hmm. He says, here in my reminder room, quote unquote, <laughs> I keep films of each defeat that Superman has dealt me. Well, that's, I call that a good old-fashioned shame spiral. Um, to increase my hate and inspire me to find means to avenge myself. Brainiac is a robot. Is he a human robot or just a robot? He's just a... Well, he's a living computer. Okay. Um, can he not just play these quote-unquote films inside his own head? I, who wrote or, this? Jim Shooter. Young Master Shooter. 14-year-old. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I don't think anyone else would have thought of... Well, I guess a, a contemporary comic 
writer would have just said he's thinking these things in his head. They would have shown mental images. Not oh, I don't special. know about that. Okay, okay, okay. So Brainiac is um, adding a transistor hookup to his computer brain. Right. He's, to devise a foolproof plan. So basically, he's taking vacuum tubes yes. and adding them to his brain pan mm-hmm. so that he, and then he just sits there for hours and calculates. And he says, Oh, he's not just calculating, he's evil pondering. He's evil pondering. When's the last time I evil pondered? Last night was mine. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. It's no use, it's hopeless. Um, suddenly, another ship appears and attacks. Whoa, who what? could this be? I'm it's, under fire. Yes, inside the aggressor ship, a weird figure looms. I'll say he's got four arms, four blue arms. skin. And strangely large eyes. Uh, he's been looking for Brainiac. Yes, it's Grax. Grax. Arch enemy of Brainiac. He's going to prove his superiority. Indeed. They begin a fearsome starship battle they just tussle don't they yes pew 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 zoom 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 pew 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 then the battle is over brainiac's ship is destroyed and the victor claims (laughs) his spoils with a space transfer beam grax needs no space suit it's weird because he with a transfer beam he walks into he walks through uh, from one ship to another through the void of space into a ship that also has open holes in it. Yeah. I'm assuming there's some sort of force shield protecting the ship. Well, I don't know. I don't see any reason why Brainiac would need to breathe. Exactly, since he's a computer. Right. Well, he says, Brainiac, uh, Brack, Grax, Grax says, Brainiac, you helpless fool. Your attempts to stop me are laughable. You possess only a 12th order mind. My 20th order brain helped me create weapons to defeat you. Hmm, 20th. Mm-hmm. Mm. But why, Grax? Well, I'll tell you, Brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows of your hate for Superman. Well, mine is ten times greater. Hold up, hold up. Ten times twelve is 120. <laughs> if his brain is only uh, 20th to Brainiac's 12th, what is that? 12 divided by 20 is going to carry the one and three is that? It's not 10 times. It's not I 10 can times. tell you that. Well, obviously, he's a, he's a spoiled little brat. Uh huh. Well, mine's 10 times greater. That super meddler has thwarted me at every turn. Now we get a proper. Uh, introduction, uh, yes. Introduction and and flashback sequence that doesn't have to be shown in a projection room. Projection room. Right. Only last month he crushed my army of robot invaders. Before that, he had beaten my flying disc machines when they stole the Newsian raid. Raid night. Raid Raid night. Yeah. I have decided to put an end to his interferences with my 20th level mind. He's not going to let that go, is he? Mm -mm. It was no problem to devise a scheme to defeat him. But I need a force shield to do it. With all the power of my mighty brain, I could not create one of sufficient strength. So now I take yours. But you can't. It's my greatest weapon. I'll stop you. He fainted, just like Jean Grey lifting a chair with her mind. Or a feather. Now, Grax's ray has short-circuited Brainiac's computer brain. Well, his built-in recharger will bring him to life soon. Yeah, fine, no problem. After I've deposed of him, disposed of him, I'm, I need to slow down. You I am sure mis- do. You're I missing am... a lot of aspirated S's <laughs> opportunities. I've had a lot of malapropisms. <laughs> so, be glad that I'm merciful and didn't destroy you, Brainiac, instead of casting you adrift in that space lifeboat. Soon. It's not sound like a drag queen when I talk like that. Careful. We want to be able to play this show in Florida. Oh, and I don't want to be canceled by the drag queens. Mm-mm. I adore them. <gasps> Speaking of which. Yes? Um, oh, I can't remember her name. Oh. Coco Peru? No, she died mm-hmm. yesterday. Oh, Dame Edna. Dame Edna, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, Grax pilots his starship to a great red sun. There, I've extended my power charger into the center of the star. All is in readiness now for my attack on Superman. Meanwhile, well, what? Meanwhile, back at the Daily Planet, Lois, Lois. Uh, but you know, Clark just happens to be walking by, and Lois is like, "Clark, will you deliver these papers for me, please?" Right. He's not your secretary, yeah. Lois. He's like, "No, you do it. You're you you're literally five feet away from where they need to be." She goes, "Clark, what's the matter with you? Where are you going?" 
Uh, I er, I forgot something. I I forgot my notes. I have to hurry. So once he's out of sight, Clark makes a lightning change to Superman. He changes in the broom closet. You know, mm-hmm. I know that from watching television. Or he just jumps out of the window and changes in midair. Uh, well, that never happened. In the it happened in the movies. That only happened in the movie. Uh, he had to get away fast because his telescopic vision revealed a weird space capsule falling to the city, and he's got to investigate. So he catches it. It's full of weird alien weapons. He has to he, dispose of it. So he throws it into outer space. Yeah. But while his attention is focused on what he's throwing into outer space, pew, something hits him. A little small missile sideswipes him and attaches this big device to his belt. Yeah. It's a bomb, he Indeed. deduces. And the ship flying above says, right, Superman. A giant spaceship with an alien inside, he says. Another clever deduction, Superman. I am Grax. I would advise you not to remove that bomb. (laughs) Why not? He says, why why not? (laughs) That is a K-Meson bomb. K-Mesons hold the nuclei of atoms together, and when they are destroyed, the atoms explode with tremendous force, producing enough energy to annihilate your entire planet. Grax has become now an announcer on 1940s radio, I guess. Uh, It's wired that if Superman removes it, it will explode. (laughs) So what? All I have to do is uh, go into deep space and take it off. Uh, Commendable. (laughs) Commendable idea, but you will have trouble there also because I've erected an invisible force shield preventing you from leaving Earth. Oh my god, exactly. It's completely... I'm sorry, that's not his right. He says, exactly. It completely surrounds the Earth, and you'll never crack it because I've reinforced it with energy from your red sun, which negates your superpowers. Ruh-roh. Yeah. So I'm the, sure listeners sing, could they pick a consistent voice for... You know what? Grax. No, that's not true, because beggars can absolutely be choosers. All right, we'll try better. Okay. The bomb will go off in 24 hours... Uh, Superman says, why? Why are you doing this? And he just says, no, he's been talking the whole time. Right. He says, you know, my reasons for hating you are just too numerous to mention. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Now Superman (laughs) says, the bomb can't hurt me because I'm invulnerable. True. True. But it will destroy the earth and all your friends will perish before your eyes. And that will be, that will be enough to end your career forever. (laughs) Well, he is the protector of Earth. Um, also of any other planet in outer space. He's got his pick. He says, you can't do this to three billion people. They mean nothing to me. But if it makes you feel better, I will tell you there is one means on Earth to disarm the bomb. But you'll never find it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the starship disappears into space. Yep. And Superman says, I've got to snap out of it. Perhaps if I use my x-ray vision, I can find out the bomb's exact wiring. But it's lined with lead. Yep. No such luck. So now we go into a wonderful series of panels about people panicking and screaming and ugly facing on the planet and then looking despaired. Right. It's great. In a nearby observatory. I laughed out loud when I read this. So did I. Uh, This whole exchange has been observed at the observatory. And the... Uh, professor of astronomy who's on duty calls the press. Right. And soon the news is announced and panic breaks out in the streets. Here's the headline of the London Times. Here's the headline of the London Times. Superman is superhuman bomb. Dooms Earth. Zero hour, 7 p.m. tomorrow. Lip reading astronomer views clash through telescope. Yes. (laughs) Lip reading astronomer. Well done. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I'm assuming this is 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time because it's London Times. Who knows? So that would be what? Minus five for Eastern Standard. It would be 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And what's the Man of Steel in front of the Daily Planet? Well, he's just going to fly down in front of the Daily Planet so the populace can throw bricks at him. (laughs) It's a lie. Tell us it's a lie. Stop it, all of you. It's true. Then he flies to the top of the highest building in Metropolis. Yes. He uses Superman super shouts (laughs) to the terrified mob. Listen to me. (laughs) An enemy has turned me into a living super bomb. I know of no way to prevent it. From destroying Earth, but rioting won't help. Return to your homes and remain calm. 
Superman's right. Let's go home. Leave the authorities to deal with the bomb. This crowd of people, this looks like central casting for Skid Row. (laughs) They all learned that their entire existence coming to an end in 24 hours. Oh. And so, scientists the world over turn their attention to the greatest threat the Earth has ever faced. And we get a couple pages of awesome attempts to undo this fantastic bomb that's that's attached to his belt yeah well great you know what i don't see any women or people of color these white man scientists think they have all the answers well it was 1960s and you know guess what there were women and people of color in the 60s i know but it was an oppressive time it was a different time well it was worse well we'll see stay tuned stay tuned uh, oh. Missiles cannot crack the force field of the Earth. Uh, Superman, I guess, doesn't have Green Lantern's number because he could probably do something about yeah, it. Yeah, are there no other superheroes? Well, there's uh, John Jones who could just phase through, through the it, force yeah. field. Green Lantern, Green Lantern could, probably, could phase through it yeah, too. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. At least Golden Age Green Lantern could. Well, sure. You're an expert now, aren't you? Well, as long as the force field isn't made out of wood. Wood, right. <laughs> is that, does that hold true for the for the Green Lantern later on, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, anything made of wood or anything, you know, he's vulnerable to magic. Ugh. Like that. Yeah, so so I am I am reading the... I started reading all the Green Lantern comics from their beginning in 1940, I think it is. So I started with Golden Age. And I am only three issues in. And every one... Every one of the issues that I've read so far, he gets knocked out or knocked down by wood. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous, and he has normal strength. He has normal. Sure. You know, is that does that stay true for the Green Lantern later on? I don't remember well, the who, whole wood thing. I remember that he could be undone by or I guess he's powerless against yellow. That's Hal Jordan, not oh. Alan Scott. Oh, Alan Scott can be knocked out right. by wood. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hal Jordan doesn't have any special. Somebody strength. hit him over the head with a club. You know, well, yeah, and then someone, and then the second issue, someone d- pulled a uh, uh, switch and a trip piece of board, wooden plank came down from the floor above him and hit him in the head, uh-huh. knocked him out. Sure, That's so stupid. Well, and I guess Hal Jordan couldn't be knocked out by a piece of wood too if he didn't see it coming. I guess so. Uh, I still do enjoy it though. <laughs> good, yeah. All right, back to the comic. Uh, two of the world's. <laughs> Two of the world's foremost locksmiths, three army bomb disposal men, and Professor Potter, that's Jimmy Olsen's friend, a leading scientist can't remove or disarm the bomb. We're sorry, Superman. The science behind this lock and bomb is so advanced we can't begin to understand it. How about Batman? Did you call Batman? He can understand it. He can understand it. There isn't any time. Superman's going to try to deactivate it on his own. He's... Go ahead. Has he tried taking off his belt? Oh my god. <laughs> That's right. It's attached to his belt. It's Why wouldn't he just take belt. off his belt? Well, because then his shorts would fall down and he'd have that Union Jack flap in the back that everyone would <laughs> see his butt. So um, he dives to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. He stays yep. there for over an hour. Uh huh. And the pressure has no effect. Then he goes to the the molten part of the earth uh-huh molten core of the earth that's smart because if it, the bomb happens to be triggered by heat then everything's destroyed and he can't do anything about no. that no he goes back to um he flies by the city and notices that everybody's rioting and boy this, this it's absolute mayhem i guess they're dancing in the streets with angry faces it looks like yeah they're dancing the frug or something yeah <laughs> Then he decides, well, let me try this. I will go and be bombed uh-huh. by a nuclear bomb uh, where they're doing a test. And uh, So you mean to tell me the entire population of Earth knows at exactly what time the Earth will be destroyed and they didn't cancel the H-bomb test? Oh. <laughs> just to proceed. We've got one hour to live. Well, Let's go being, ahead and do this test. They're just being optimistic. Uh, so he stands at the bottom of ground zero where the bomb has gone off and nothing's happened. Nothing happens. And then, you know, just this is great art here. That top right corner. That's really unusual. Which one? Um, of Grax? Page 11 of Grax. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's Wayne Boring, we should say, is doing the art here. 
Uh, it's hopeless. The power at the center of that nuclear test blast didn't even scratch the bomb. Superman is out of ideas. Meanwhile, Grax is observing everything from his lexoscope in his ship. But mm. you know who else is watching? Brainiac. Brainiac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grax was kind enough to provide Brainiac a small monitor screen in his tiny lifeboat ship to witness his triumph. Uh, Brainiac must now help Superman mm-hmm. to defeat Grax. Mm-hmm. Brainiac strains his mind for a plan. And finally he comes up with something, but how can he communicate it to Superman? So I guess Superman stopped by the, the hospital to have a colonoscopy. Uh-huh. Where they have a diamond drill, because right. that's the only way Superman can get a colonoscopy, okay. with a diamond drill. All right. Uh, diamond drill and laser beams. I would have thought they would have tried that before zero hour. Like a diamond drill probably would have been my first thought of how to crack the casing of the bomb. I guess. Although I guess if Superman can't pry it open, a diamond drill wouldn't do much. No. Uh, Superman goes to a hilltop outside Metropolis to ponder the fate of the Earth, which he will not share in because he'll survive the destruction. And suddenly... Well, not suddenly, because Grax is still there. Uh, Superman carves a message in the side of a mountain. Grax, disarm the bomb and I promise to allow you to destroy me. No answer. Grax is probably gloating and now mocking him. Then, what happens? Then, Superman receives some kind of a telepathic message from Brainiac. Superman, this is Brainiac. Grax stole my force shield and set me adrift in space. I will help you overcome him. Listen carefully. I am thought-casting to you with a device I created from spare parts of a monitor screen. Obey me. Trust me. Or Earth is doomed. Seconds later, following Brainiac's instructions, Superman creates a, a giant, giant super magnet. He flies the magnet up to the force field, which which pulls, pulls Grax's ship down mm-hmm. and traps it against the force field. He says, Grax, listen to me. In less than one minute, this bomb will go off, destroying Earth. But I've got a hunch that at this range, despite the force shield, it will destroy you too. Now, quick. Tell me how to disarm it. He's right. Even that force shield can't save me from the bomb while that super magnet holds me at close range. Superman, the small pin on the side of the bomb twisted up for a half a turn, then down for a full turn. <laughs> That's it? That's it, yeah. But the answer comes too late. Yep, it's the five-second warning. The pin won't stop it now. Quickly, I've opened a small part of the force shield. Come into my ship. Perhaps I can stop it in time. Five seconds is not long enough to fly it away. All I have to do is he says. So he goes into the ship, then reaches for a switch and clicks a switch. And that creates a force shield around Grax's ship. Right. It, the bomb goes off. The bomb goes off, destroys Grax's ship within the force field. Uh, the vibrations shatter. disable, shatter the force field force around field the Earth. Earth. Yeah. But Earth is safe. Thank God. And Brainiac lands on Earth for a well-deserved handshake from Superman. Yeah, but they're still enemies. They are. He says, because Brainiac says, well, Superman says, here, Brainiac, I saved your force shield device by wrapping my cape around it. Why couldn't he wrap his cape around the Earth? I know he can't really do that. Um, I also made a, why couldn't he wrap his cape around the bomb? Thank you. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also made a ship for you to return you to space. And I figure I owe it to you. He says, our score is settled for now. Our score is settled for now, but we will meet again, Superman. Is that how? How did Brainiac talk on the Super Friends? Was it like this? I don't remember. I don't remember. Well, we'll have to watch an episode and find out. And meanwhile, what are the fearsome Grax far out in space? A ghostly phantom drifts. I escaped death by using a device which turned me into an immaterial phantom. Is he in the phantom zone? Mm. But sooner or later, though, I'll reach a planet to make myself solid and then get my revenge on Superman. So he's floating through space as a ghost. Like yes. a space ghost. <sighs> Speaking of Space Ghost, Brainiac used to have a little pet monkey. Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name. Bono? Bobo. Bobo. Bobo the monkey. I don't remember. I'll have to look it up. He's so cute. Little monkey with antennas. (laughs) I remember having that little monkey. (laughs) 
Uh, You've always said you wanted a monkey, and I said never. Not a monkey. I want a family of performing monkeys, siblings, that dress in human clothes. Look, this cat uses a litter box inside, and neither one of us likes the smell, and we're cleaning it twice a day, right? Imagine a family of performing monkeys. Well, first of all, they're a family, and they wear human clothes, so they take their poop and throw it at the window. (laughs) They don't just leave it in a box for someone else to come and clean up. I cannot imagine anything worse. I can. What? A family of elephants living in our house. How about a family of monkeys that play handbells? Oh, yes. Yes. Now you're talking. That would be worse. Uh, Grax will return a couple of more times. Okay. In action comics to plague Superman. More significantly, he will play a vital role in the pages of Super Friends. Speaking of the Super Friends. Really? In bringing the Wonder Twins to Earth. (gasps) Really? And supplanting the imbecilic Wendy and Marvin and Wonder Dog. Thank God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are great issues of Super Friends, too. They introduced the Global Guardians. It's the first time the entire Justice League appears in the pages of Super Friends. Just a little aside, do you remember that cartoon, Captain Planet? Sure. Did Tom Cruise do the voice for Captain Planet? Uh, He did in the pilot. I don't know if he did it throughout the series, but yes. Yeah, I think I watched an episode of it. I thought it was the Mm -hmm. stupidest thing in the world. Well, if you've seen one episode, you've pretty much seen Seen them all. I heard there was a feature film in development, live action feature film for Captain Planet. You've got to be kidding me. No. Okay. I never kid a kidder. Never kid a kidder. Now. Yes. Luckily, we do have another Another story story. here. Yes. This is pretty awful. Uh, (laughs) If by awful I mean quaint and sexist Uh and weird and, okay, it's just all those things. It's awful. It's really stupid. At... Stanhope College. Now, you know all about college. You're an academic dean. Yes. As the summer vacation begins, three girls win a special scholarship from the dean. From the dean. A lady dean. Linda Danvers, Millie Cole, and Sue Johnston. I can't remember if Stanhope is an all-women's college. This aquarium grant will send you to the South Pacific for a week to gather specimens for our school aquarium. Wait. Yes. This grant is sending three women undergraduates, from undergrads, yes, undergraduate women to the South Pacific, to the South Pacific, to gather specimens for the school's aquarium to capture in the wild, yes, specimens and bring them back, fly them back to be put in the school aquarium in the Midwest. Yes. What crazy donor gave money for that? And what's more, these three undergraduates are given their own hovercraft. Hovercraft boat. And it can go 300 (laughs) miles an hour over the water. No no pilot for the hovercraft. Nope, just the three girls. And they have to sleep and and pilot it in rotation. So they can go get there faster. Yes, but they have... It's going to take them... They can go 300 miles an hour and they have to drive... They have to pilot this boat all night. Yeah, and how many miles are they going? Because they can. They say we can reach our fishing grounds overnight if we take turns driving and sleeping. Well, let's say it's eight, let's go, let's girls. Let's say it's eight hundred miles, eight, eight hours. Yeah, so that would be twenty four hundred miles. miles. Is that is that the distance across the United States? How many, uh, how many thousands of miles is it across the United States? I don't. Maybe three thousand. Three thousand. So it's almost the length of the United States. Yeah, in a boat. Overnight, sure. In they the South have, Pacific, <laughs> did he? Did that teenager Bali write the story again? I know this is Otto Binder. Uh, I don't know. I know that name. Well, he wrote many, many Golden Age Captain Marvel stories, and he's written quite a few of these Supergirl uh, so stories. So this is why well. I thought it was stupid. Okay, because I mean, page one of the story, <laughs> the three undergraduates get their own hovercraft boat that uh-huh. will go 300 miles and i was like okay overnight that's they're, they're traveling at least 2,000 miles why didn't they just fly there where are they going well the whole ruse of the story is or the premise of the well story where would is, they land they're going to get sea specimens there's no they place would take to... an aqua plane there's a, a seaplane a seaplane you know the plane that has you've seen fantasy island yes 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 
And they're just going to land on the surface of the water and then oh, fly away. Oh, they're going to go to an island. I've seen Fantasy Island. I know how this works. They end up at an island anyway. Well, it doesn't matter because now there's a storm and the hovercraft is dipping too low. And they're going to be swamped by those skyscraper-sized waves. Going 300 miles an hour, you I'm sure they would. <laughs> what if they're going 300 miles an hour? Why can't they just like... Like the Enterprise in the Borg Cube on the oh. last episode of Picard. Well, Spoilers. you know the answer to that. What? <laughs> because they're underage college girls with hardly any experience piloting a hovercraft that can travel 300 miles an hour on the open ocean. Luckily, one of these gals is secretly Supergirl. Now, what if I was a dean and I gave three undergraduate school girls uh-huh. a grant to fly to the South Pacific to gather fish yeah. for an aquarium, yeah. right? Or specimens. Sure. Specimens, right? That could be anything. But, yeah. Right? And then I find out that they were lost at sea in a storm because they uh, because part of the grant allowed them to have the money to rent an, a, a, a highly advanced a water hovercraft that can travel up to 300 miles per hour. How irresponsible would I be to have sent the three, uh, forget their, their gender, three sure. under three undergraduate students by themselves who are at most 22 years old sure. to pilot a, a hovercraft that can go that fast. What? That's... You surely would have sent a professor with them. I, I would have... Well, first of all, I would have flown them to an island where they can get this best. I would never have done another one. What am I trying to say? I would never. I would have put that money into scholarships. Well, you know, well, if it was given by a donor for a specific purpose, yeah, it would have been a restricted says, gift. This is what I want. Okay. I'll give you that. $1 million, Dean, but I want these. I want it specifically for three undergraduates to go pilot a hovercraft. <laughs> to their peril. Okay. All right, donor, well, we can't even afford bus service from one side of campus the, to the other. No, I want a hovercraft to the South Pacific and specifically three nubile young undergraduate students. And I want them to bring back six fish. Six. Six, six. specimens. And a conch shell. And a, because they'll, they'll have to carry the specimens in small plastic bags. And there are three girls and sure. each has a hand each. And so I want them to carry back six specimens. Now, luckily, Supergirl is on board. Uh, apparently, she's uh, taking the helm while the other two sleep because she changes to Supergirl and flies them out of the storm. I wonder if that money came from an endowment or if that was a direct restricted gift. It has to be direct restricted, right? Because yeah. endowment, they <gasps> There's Nancy can't and control that. What? The sisters. The sisters. The Baldwin sisters. Um... They're walking. Yeah, look at their so, heads are covered. It's not that cool. Oh, she's dead. Nancy's really. If you are outside, you don't have a hat on. She will scold you. Really? Uh huh. Well, she's delightful. I really enjoy talking to her. You Both saw her in the grocery store. I did, you? didn't I? I've never seen her with her hair down. Oh, really? Yes, yes. So I didn't recognize her at first. How long is it? It's it's bound below her shoulders. <gasps> like Hazel Devitt, my childhood neighbor, who <laughs> me and my sister used to spy on because she kept her white, white hair up in a bun all the time. But we could see into her um, dressing room uh-huh. through my sister's bedroom window. Uh-huh. And we'd watch her and she'd put her hair down and comb it and comb it and comb it. Oh. And we thought she looked like a witch. <laughs> well, Nancy doesn't look like a witch in okay. person, but she mm-hmm. has very long hair. So okay. I didn't recognize her. And she had big old Foster Grant glasses on. You know what I bet? What? I bet when she was an undergraduate in college, no one. she took a hovercraft to the South Pacific. She's the type. All right. So let me get back to this story. Yes. Okay. So this is the weird thing. And then another thing. Yes. Supergirl's no idiot. And these girls are not idiots, apparently, because they can pilot a hovercraft, right? Right. She gets into her costume. She flies out the porthole. She picks up the hovercraft. Uh-huh. But it puts them off course. She could have flown them up above the water uh-huh. safely Well, and not put them off course. No, because she's, it's, she said she's trying to get out of the storm's path. That's why they're off oh. the She's got to get away from the storm. Well, she could have just flown right into the storm. But it's or you know what? She could have flown them back to college and try again the next day. Right, right. Um, so they've grounded on the shore of an island. I don't know what island this is, but it's full of lesbians. <laughs> she doesn't say that. No, but it is. It uh, is. They're 
set upon by armed women mm -hmm. in bikini tops. So you know they're an Amazon tribe. Exactly. That's a given. Do you know what's missing in this story? I just realize it. Uh, people of color, since they're in the South Pacific. Well, there's that. These white colonialist Karens have taken over this island <laughs> and made a lesbian society out of it. Karen, Karen's. No, there's quicksand missing here. Uh, quicksand and there's no spontaneous human combustion. And, and all white women. No UFOs. Mm -hmm. Beautiful they're not, white women. And they're not even Hispanic women. Like, they're not Polynesian. They're nothing. They're, they're, right. just, they're all just like a bunch of white Karens. Yeah. Yeah. The prisoners uh, are taken to the village and hear harsh words. By the way, the I know a couple. Queen. I know. I, I knew. I, I encounter one Karen all the time who is absolutely delightful. I mean. Oh, a, an actual Karen. An actual. Yeah, actual Karens are lovely. Yes. We're okay. talking about. You know, just a, Karen as a broad term. Yes. Yeah. Uh, silence, fool. Oh, Linda's trying to make the case that they're American citizens. We're American citizens. Quiet, fool. And silence, fool. Queen Jarta makes the laws here. All girl castaways who land at my island must stay and become Amazons. The strongest women on earth. See how mighty I am? Snap. Snap. She snaps a twig. She snaps a spear. Right. But, but, but the blonde girl i don't know her name we haven't got he-man muscles like you <laughs> okay not yet drink this nectar of strength which will take which we take daily and you will gain an amazon's great powers in excuse me in three days meanwhile you will be kept prisoners until the nectar works you must perform menial tasks wearing these slave girl costumes you'll begin tomorrow morning well who does the menial tasks when they're all of equal strength. Um, Until the nectar works, you have to do menial tasks. So right. then, then what happens? Like I don't, the, I don't the, know. Who does? Who cleans house after that? Maybe that's where they put the minorities. And just as you would expect, right? They put on the slave girl costumes, and the blonde girl says, "Ugh, this outfit doesn't do a thing for me. Mm. Too bad I'm a slave." Uh, Linda has to beg off change because, of course, she's got her Supergirl costume on under her sailing clothes. Isn't this weird? Linda has rolled up the long sleeves of her super flexible costume. That's a note from the editor. Mm -hmm. uh, that night, she slips out of her costume, puts her slave girl costume on, flies into the air, catches a giant bird, and <laughs> puts the costume on the giant bird. Mm. These are man of war birds, which seldom settle on land. They fish out at sea. So instead of hiding her costume yeah. under a boulder or something that no one would get to, she puts it on a bird. Well, she says she has to hide it so that nobody can stumble on it and suspect that Linda Danvers is Supergirl. Mm. So she bends the bars of the prison, flies out, catches a bird, puts the costume on the bird. That tracks because the bird's going to go out to sea and hunt. And flies back to the prison room. Plummeting to the earth now that it has a heavy fabric on it. Okay. And it goes back to her room, bends the bars back, and the next day they get to work. Yep. And it's panel after panel of them complaining about the work. Well, the two other girls complaining about the work. Right. They're sweeping the village square. They're roasting a pig. And Supergirl is Carol... Carol Danvers. Linda. Linda, Linda Danvers. Linda Danvers. I'm sorry. Linda Danvers is polishing metal statues. Yeah. But she has to do it the slow way. She right. Uh, she doesn't speed. want to tip her hand. Meanwhile, that bird is flying around the island and everyone assumes it's Supergirl on patrol. Right. Including these slave girls who call out for help and are ignored. And uh, they see Supergirl, Supergirl, we're in trouble. Supergirl, oh, why didn't she stop? She must be on a more important mission. Right. Yeah. Uh, now these girls are achy and tired and uh, Linda decides she's going to turn the tables on Queen Jarda. Right. So what she does is she pretends that the, the nectar has worked on her early. Ahead of time. And she gets the first task. She snaps her bonds of bondage. Yes. That she Well, she breaks the bedpost. Yes. Uh, the, so then soon the queen assigns them the first menial task of the day. It is very sultry this morning. Fan me, slave girls. And, uh, you know, the Amazon that hands her the fan, which is a gigantic fan, uh -huh. says, of course, it's going to weigh a ton. And But Linda says, you girls relaxed. It seems the nectar has given me enough strength to lift it alone. In fact, it feels as light as a toy balloon to me. And then she starts to fan the queen, and she fans with such great strength and force that she creates 
a cyclone, a cyclone. and blows the queen out the window. <laughs> Now, when I was reading this, I thought, well, she's going to lean down on the queen and say, I'm Supergirl, let me go. I don't know why I thought that. No, but no she can't reveal she can't her, reveal secret, her identity. secret identity. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, she apologizes to the queen. I'm sorry. This nectar of strength already seems to be working on me, and you must have given me a double dose. So as punishment, the queen decides that the girls are going to draw her in her chariot yes. like horses. But... Linda will have nothing. No. She, she was, oh, no, let me do it. Let me do it alone. You don't need all three of us. And she takes off. Takes off. And she realizes she could actually go a thousand times faster than she is, but the queen is absolutely just gobsmacked and crying out, please slow down these these bumps. But L Linda's just going, going all gangbusters. Going right yep. into the jungle. <laughs> off the road into the jungle. Uh shakes pushes aside coconut palms trees, trees yes. which then sends coconuts raining down on the head of the queen yeah and then um she decides that she's going to take her across a bridge but the bridge is is underwater yeah because uh, it's been washed out by the swollen stream from the rains but then <laughs> linda just takes her right through right underwater through the water glub 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 yeah and pulls her out and the uh, the queen has had it she says, I'm drowned, I'm cold, and I'm wet, and I'm miserable. Take a shortcut back to the palace. I've had enough of this wild ride. And the problem you see, which is exactly what Linda wanted her to think, is that Linda's strength is greater than that of the Amazons. Uh-huh. This is a problem, for sure. So, she says, so they get back to the village, and she says, Your next task, slave girls, is to build up that unfinished royal pyramid. Today is our Amazon picnic in the green forest. While we are gone, you three will labor until that six-hour glass runs out. A supply of stone blocks for the pyramid is waiting. So, the two girls get busy. Uh, yeah. what are, I don't remember their names. Linda's friends. Yeah, um, uh, Trixie and Boo-Boo. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Trixie and Mixie. So, Trixie and Mixie are, are picking up a block by themselves, but Linda takes one block on each shoulder. Yep, and up she goes. She's just like, wow, it's okay, you know, I, I'm fine. Wow, this nectar is fantastic. Um, so she uses up all of the building blocks that are already cut, and then she starts to dissemble, disassemble yes. the, uh, the, village. the village to continue to use blocks to build a pyramid. Because the queen said you had to work for six hours, and the six hours isn't up yet. So the queen and her Amazon companions come back from their picnic, and they said, what happened to our huts? Who took the stones away? Uh... It was me. I worked for six hours. I even enlarged the foundation of the pyramid. You've got a nice giant pyramid, twice as big as you planned. But the queen says, but I've also got a ruined village. Groan. <laughs> the queen begs them to leave. She releases them from their bondage. Just get back in your boat and leave our island in peace. I beg you. Well, Linda thinks my plan worked. The queen doesn't want a super Amazon like me around to be too strong to be controlled. <laughs> But on the way to the beach, dressed up in their own clothing... Yes, it's Millie and Sue. Mm -hmm. Psst, Sue, why did the Nectar of Strength only work ahead of time on Linda? Uh-oh, according to my super hearing, Millie and Sue are suspicious. Hmm, got to cover up. So their boat is uh, on its side. On mm -hmm. the From the storm. Yeah. And so Linda suggests that Millie and Sue try writing the overturned craft because maybe the nectar's working on you now girls <laughs> what do you think we're samson sisters <laughs> okay we'll try they try to lift and well the nectar hasn't taken effect yet mm -hmm. but linda's going to use her super breath to blow it right side up Whee! Whee, call me miss call. hercules yeah or <laughs> the clever name i came up with as what? a teenage superhero inventor what hercules <gasps> oh wow uh, it's too bad that without daily doses of the nectar, our Amazon strength will soon fade away. Too bad. Later at sea, when Millie and Sue are asleep, she Linda re retrieves, yes, her, she retrieves costume her costume from the bird. And she's going to slip it back on under her clothes and rejoin the girls to finish our original specimen collecting mission. They go back to Stanhope with their six specimens from, yes. um, uh, from the South Pacific. South Pacific, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the Amazon nectar wore off. We'll never be super Amazons again. Sigh. And Linda winks at us. Yes. The she reader. breaks the fourth wall. Linda, you were crafty. What is this story missing? 
any kind of fact to tie this Amazon tribe to Wonder Woman's Amazons of Paradise Island. Yes. A. Number two, a musical number. <laughs> Millie. Uh, uh, the most important thing is it's missing anything but, I mean, it's missing uh, um, uh, people of color. There's like, there's just all white women. So I'm assuming that they're probably all anti-Nazis. Well, they're or, I'm not anti, former Nazis. Former Nazis yeah. or, you know, colonialists. From, colonialists from, from ancient Eng- Greece or something. Yeah, something. Uh, well, that's all actually where the Amazons are from. So oh. Greece, so. Well, then these are from probably from Ireland. What is now Ireland? They're all Celts or something. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Tuatha de Danann. <laughs> um, no, uh, in the movie Where the Boys Are, an American classic, mm-hmm. which is a very serious story about uh, consent, essentially. Okay. Connie Francis just wanders into a little jazz bar and she and Frank Gorshin do a little musical number. Uh-huh. It's real peppy and kicky. Yeah. I can't remember how it goes right now, but that's what this story needs. A, an Amazon dive bar and Millie wander in there and do a Absolutely. little number. Absolutely. Do a little number. And, yeah. Yeah. And some um, guitarists or ukulele players are there too and bongo players. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, I guess the dog's going to bark. What the hell? Who's Nancy? walking? Who's Nancy walking? Nancy and Lindy. Oh, okay. Or the Walker family. Well, I can't see them. I mean, they're not on this side. No. Are they on that side? I don't see anything. As we mentioned last week, we have moved the studio back to the window. Yes. Oh, no, that's that's, that's Lindy and Nancy. Nancy. Speaking of neighborhoods, have I got bad news. What's wrong? They are demolishing Morning Glory Circle. The Hollywood set. Oh, The Bewitched House is... They've already destroyed the Partridge Family House. Bewitched House is next. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What will become of it? Gidget's house is going to go. Who else's? The Kravitz's house. Mm. Uh, I think the Partridge family house was the same as Leave it to Beavers. Well, but there aren't a lot of people uh, that are going to be around much longer who can appreciate it. Why? Are you dying? No, but we've only probably got, I mean, our generation's probably only got 20 or 30 years left, and then no one will remember the Partridge family and all that stuff. Well, I don't know. But dang it, those... Uh, Temporary facades of houses yeah. were certainly built to last more than 60 years. <laughs> well, sure, they could be renovated and updated, well, right? I, I guess. Yes. I mean, they have been so far, but mm-hmm. I guess no one has a use for location shooting anymore. They'll just type it into a computer and Bob's oh, your uncle. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Well, at least I have my Green Lantern. And at least we have action comics. Mm-hmm. And each other. That's right. And our friends. Yes. We have so much to be thankful we do. for. And I have the Wayne Manor uh, playset from McFarland Toys. I'm so impressed. It's fantastic. You can order it from Target. They send it right to your house. That's crazy. You can find us on social media at GoGoCheckPod. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Because we're everywhere. Everywhere. And... You can find us right back here next week. You bet. Bye. Bye.